Hello everyone, this is Myra with Halipule's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga podcast. Today I'm going to share with you my journey with the practices of yoga and how over time the practices came to support my mental health and really led me to joyful living. I've been practicing yoga for 35 years or so and I can truly say that it has been the pathway home to myself. The practices have given me a way to understand more about who I am beyond my body and why I'm here and living this life. When I look back, I'm a little amazed that I stuck with it. In the beginning, I was so stiff, I couldn't raise my arms above my shoulders. You know, sitting on the floor for meditation was really, really painful, so I had to sit in a chair, and then I pretty much stayed in the back of the room. But I knew that I had to do it, that I had to stick with it somewhere deep inside me. And I'm so glad that I did, because everything changed in the very best possible ways. One of the things I was advised to do when I came to yoga was to be consistent in my practice. I started with meditation, and then some time later came to pranayama and asana. It was really torturous for me, actually, and yet I was so attracted to it at the same time. Consistency seemed like a good idea, and it would happen for a little while in my life, and then not. Actually, not much of anything was consistent in my life at that time, except overeating. And it was so easy to let other things take priority over my practices. Staying up late at night, or distractions of most any sort in the morning, would pull me away from what I knew would make me feel better. The tension that I created by knowing it was such a good thing and then still doing something else became really intense. You know, I felt as if I was groping around in the dark in my life and bumping into things, not knowing what they were, and then running away from them, whatever it was. When Ayurveda came into my life, I learned about consistency and vata dosha, and wow. (laughs) You know, vata is made up of the air and the ethers, space. And when it's in excess, it makes us a bit like a ping pong ball, lightly bouncing all over the place. And sometimes I was just racing around, trying to do everything all at once, and not finishing anything. So this was a real revelation to me. Understanding what happens when vata dosha is in excess made so much sense with how I was experiencing life. But back to my early experience with yoga, the mental angst that I put myself through with trying to be consistent, but still doing many things that were increasing vata dosha, it was torture and brought up all kinds of negative feelings. Feelings of inadequacy, feelings of insecurity and incompetence. Those were just a few of them. And then I became concerned 
that I was crazy and then would convince myself I was okay and then I would keep doing the same thing over and over again. It was really a frustrating and depressing cycle. You know, I wouldn't have called myself depressed, but I was sort of depressive all the time. And then as I continued with the yoga, I, I was led through chanting and studying the Bhagavad Gita. And I heard this. It said, seek refuge in the attitude of non-attachment and you will acquire the wealth of spiritual awareness. The one who is motivated only by the desire for the fruits of their action and anxious about the results is miserable indeed. And this rang so true for me. I was quite <laughs> attached to the results of all of my actions. And at that time I was especially attached to my asana practice. I so wanted it to be the fix for my problems. And around that same time I was given a definition of asana. And it was to be and breathe with that which is eternal. And this was a big turning point for me. And it opened me up to life on other levels beyond the physical and beyond the limitations of my mind. I was taught and I came to realize that my practice needed to be personal and that there was no one to impress with it. I wouldn't have admitted it at that time that the attachment to getting things right and looking good was there and I wouldn't have called it perfectionism, but then what, what else was it? That striving for perfection was not only isolating me, but it made me miserable. My energy was really drained from replaying things in my mind and looking for ways to get things right in all of life and to get others' approval another thing I wouldn't have admitted at the time if you had asked me. And this understanding of myself came from taking a look at my yoga practices. Over time, shifting my mental attitude and following the inspiration of the teachings of yoga. You know, and that mental shift didn't come of my own doing, but really as a cumulative result of practicing consistently and really to allowing the divine intelligence, you know, or the God of my heart to be my pole star, to be my guiding star. So as a result of applying that attitude to my whole life, I began to experience a fuller life and and to experience more of the things that I really wanted, which seemed kind of funny to me since I had been practicing non-attachment and attempting to let go of things, and then I was getting more of what I wanted. So going to classes is most common these days when starting out in the world of yoga. You know, a group environment to learn new things and to socialize is, is really helpful in the beginning. 
but to experience profound shifts in your body, your mind, and spirit, and that dynamic, the practice needs to become your own. It's a personal practice between you and your divine source. If you're practicing yoga, I'd invite you to take a look at why you're doing your practices, any of the practices. Ask yourself that question right now and take a few minutes to see what that is for you. Or if you're not practicing and you think you might want to start practicing yoga, just ask yourself why you want to do it. You know, in the beginning, yoga may be a source of relief from an overactive mind or it can be a short-term fix for tight muscles in your back. It can be to have a cute butt or to have toned muscles or an attempt to escape from the mental attachments to things on the outside like how you look or getting your way or feeling less than or feeling more than. And you know, there's nothing wrong with any of these. You know, these are all valid reasons for starting. And my message today is there's also so much more for you. I remember feeling quite high after many of my early yoga classes. We'd start with pranayama and meditation and then, and then asana, and sometimes asana first and then meditation. And I was very fortunate to be in a small class environment. They were all small and quiet back then. And I was with people who had been practicing for a long time, so I was the one that was looking around the room. Lots of attachment to things outside of me, like getting a pose just right or pushing myself to the edge. And, you know, all of that, all of that brought me pain. <laughs> the mental angst of feeling like I should be able to do things or that I should be able to control things outside of me was a constant success and failure game that always led me to blame someone or something. And this is an illusion that's referred to as avijja in Sanskrit, in the yoga teachings. Eventually I realized no one else in the class was doing that. But then even a few years later, when I would have thought that I was beyond all that, I went to a class in another city just to visit and then at one point I was trying so hard in a pose that I did a somersault and rolled into the middle of the room. And it was a really good opportunity to shave off the edges of my ego and have a good laugh. And that impression has stayed with me for over 30 years now. Over time I came to recognize that yoga provided a pathway home to to my higher self. By living it moment by moment in all areas of my life. You know, my mental health wasn't, wasn't too good prior to coming to yoga. 
I knew so little about myself and I was racing through life looking for answers to what I thought I needed to know, hitting one dead end after another. I felt like I was dying inside and I frequently felt suicidal. And I checked out various religious approaches that I was told were necessary to go with yoga. And since I had experience with two religions growing up, that just didn't work for me. Then I realized that the spiritual guidance I was looking for was available in the yoga teachings. And it seemed to bring me peace inside when I heard them. Even if only for a moment. You know, I saw that one could have their religious teachings along with yoga if one wanted that. But I didn't feel it was necessary for me. So I continued my practices and with the guidance of a good teacher who was farther down the path, my mind gradually stabilized. You know, having up to that point, having lived a life of total self-will, meaning, you know, trying to control things outside of me that I had no control over, over time I started to see how I was making it so much harder on myself than was necessary forcing decisions rather than fully assessing a situation and making many decisions out of fear or, or wanting to go faster. Learning about and practicing the yamas and niyamas really gave me a good starting point. And being supported by a teacher who understood and, and had compassion and firmness and patience and gentleness. And I still had little diversions. I would do things that didn't make me feel good and then regret it and feel bad about myself and go round and round. (laughs) And then making baby steps, but still really making it pretty hard on myself. And then it wasn't until I came to Ayurveda that the value of a holistic approach to yoga and to life in general became more clear to me the holistic approach. In other words, understanding and accepting that everything is connected is really the key to living a life of mental and emotional balance. Uh, In both yoga and Ayurveda, we're offered a spiritual life. Not one where we withdraw from society or have to do certain rituals, but one where we can live from the understanding that we are a spirit in a body. That we experience our spiritual self through the tools of our bodies and minds. That our lives are meant to be lived. And that we will have ups and downs in life. And it's to help us experience and remember ourselves spiritually, moment by moment. And that we're not only sensitive beings, but incredibly powerful when we utilize what we've been given. You know, my mind is quite different than it used to be. You know, I can still dance around mm, getting a little funky about something, but I don't have to dive into it. And I have plenty of tools 
to set myself back on track fairly quickly. This holistic practice then involves all aspects of yoga, which is all about the mind and how to reduce and alleviate the vrittis, they're called, or the disturbances or aberrations of the mind. You know, things like, I'm no good, or I'm a bad person, that stuff. The yamas and niyamas offer us some behavioral guidelines so that we can understand and learn how to treat ourselves well and to do the same for others. And what that really shows us is how we're all interconnected in a dynamic experience. Asana guides us to connect to the body and learn to move prana, our life force. And pranayama is to work with the breath, the source of your life force, in order to master your mind. You know, we come to understand and see how the mind works and who we are beyond it. And often, taking a look at the mind is really good for a laugh. The result can be an incredible sense of peace, and it moves prana. Pratyahara, or a drawing in of the senses, is a part of yoga that shows us how to understand the important role of the senses in life. The senses of sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell in particular. And in Ayurveda, we recognize that poor use of the senses is one of the main causes of disease, both physical and mental. We become quite numb to our senses. And when they're used poorly, they become a tool for mental disturbance and they distract us from ourselves. And, and again, that's what leads us into mental illness, into physical disease. Alternatively, we can practice yoga to strengthen the mind, to master our senses and avoid the mental and physical illness. And then there's meditation to discover and experience ourselves in new and deeper ways. You know, to experience stillness and what's there for us. You know, there's so much possible that comes from meditation over time. And it's really beyond description and words. And there are many other tools, including mudras and mantra, and so many ways for us to work with our energy, to raise our vibration and live more fully. Remember, yoga is the union of body, mind, and spirit. Hopefully I've given you a few things to think about and how you might see yoga in a new light for yourself. Yoga, meaning the union of body, mind, and spirit, then is really a path home. The home that's within each of us. Soon we'll be launching an online yoga membership that will give you the tools and support to develop your holistic personal home practice and apply the principles of yoga in your daily life. For more details, be sure to follow us on Instagram at H-A-L-E underscore P-U-L-E. Until next time.
In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipuli's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, join Simple Ayurvedic Cooking with Halipuli. Their recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.